0: Welcome everyone and welcome this week's guest, Tamir Berkman. Tamir, how are you?
1: Hi, Ian. I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: You're welcome. I love the logo. We'll just talk about it before we came on. Why the divorce cowboy? Why cowboy specifically?
1: Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, I always loved horses and I... Did a few things with them, like dressage and, and trail and polo and all the things. And when I got into what I'm doing now, which is coaching men, guiding men through separation, I thought, wow, that's going to be great. And it's going to be great if I can do it my own way in the paddock with horses and yeah. combine it with equine therapy. So that's, that's the vision.
0: I love it. And it,
1: that's that's the first explanation. Yeah. And the other explanation that is a little bit deeper that I'd like to share is that um I was watching this show this Netflix documentary about the the cowboys, the guys that are um you know doing the rodeo with on bulls. Yeah. And that was amazing. Like that was the hardest one of the hardest jobs in the world. And I'm going, wow, these guys are actually their job is to fall down it's 99% of the job is to fall down and they're getting yep. back up and dusting themselves and going back on the bull. So I went, you know what? That's that's pretty much a good analogy for separation and divorce. It feels like you, you get thrown off the bull. I got thrown off, life is throwing me off and what I need to do is dust myself off and and keep going. So that's that's the cowboy.
0: And eventually get back on the bull, right?
1: That's right.
0: <laughs> Love it. I'm particularly curious about the, the equine therapy. Is that something you're already doing within the business or is that more of a longer-term plan?
1: Yes, yeah, so I finished a course um, and it's, uh, it's called equine-assisted learning. And what I'm doing now is working on my practicals. So it means that I'm doing 10 hours. So I invite men to come have a paddock session for free. Yeah and uh, yeah be one of the 10 people that will help me get that qualification.
0: Excellent. So I've done
1: a few of those.
0: Nice. Now what I have heard is that that no one or nothing reflects our energy better than a horse. So please do explain you've been working with horses all your life it sounds like. Can you explain that in more detail so people understand the nature of that that learning and and how it actually works?
1: Yeah. So first of all what we need to be aware of is that horses are a prey animal interesting right and and we're a predator so we're very focused on a specific thing on the prey because we want to hunt it the horses have a 360 holistic view of their world because they have to right it's biology yep they also need to be really good in um checking and sifting through intentions and really figuring out quickly what is happening, what the intentions of that thing and do they need to run? Yeah. <laughs> do they need to run the hell out of there? So horses are, first of all, very aware of their surroundings, very aware of what's going on and very aware of other emotions and intentions. And the way a lot of the time that they're doing it, is that they're actually syncing their heartbeats together. So the herd will sync their heartbeats. Then when actually a horse over there is sensing danger, their heartbeat is going to start getting more and more intense, and then all of the other horses can feel it immediately. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. And that happens in the paddock with humans as well. So a lot of the people that are even... A little bit scared or a little bit um, anxious, when they come on and they, they just stand just close to a horse, that relaxation will start happening. And the second part of that is that horses are also very present. So that's the biggest teaching of a horse is how to be present because a horse doesn't care about the past or the future. They don't have judgment. They don't have resentment. They're just living in the now. So that Brilliant. connection with the heart, that living in the now is just making me relax. And then there is the mirroring. Then there is the mirror, and the, um, which is kind of like magic. It's really hard to explain. But a horse is always going to give me the lesson that I need because they're so in tuned with emotion and energy.
0: Brilliant. Humans also have that capability, just not as innately built into us for our survival because life's become way too comfortable. I'm sure it would have been like that back when we did have to depend on, like we were prey too, right? And uh, it is possible to get back to that place. So so what are some of the experiences you've had yourself in that environment like what have what is the what has a horse shown you that maybe surprised you and then also i'd love to hear any stories you've had with taking someone out there and and the impact it's had for them as well
1: Mm. yeah so look i had a lot of beautiful experiences and amazing life lessons from horses because i was doing it for a while one of the times um that I just went into the paddock and I was just I was sitting somewhere in the paddock and my favorite mare came over and she just put her head around me so she kind of like put me um really close to her chest right with her head here. Yeah. And this was just like opening a tap. I just started crying just like uncontrollably yeah. for like for a minute or two. And she just released that. She was just like, yep, yeah, get rid of that. You've got something that you need to release. And it was just amazing how she she actually held space for me, right?
0: Yeah. The image I get is it's like mm-hmm. a mother holding a, a small child.
1: Yeah. So – it's it's that it's the energy it's their size and therefore they're allowed like they have big energy field and they can hold space um this way yeah and 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 every lesson is amazing i um i met another horse um when i was doing my course and delay and the lady that works with him And they're talking about it as a partnership. So so she's the facilitator. She's the translator. He's the practitioner. I love it. So I actually went in to see him, not her. (laughs) And she's a psychologist that works with veterans.
0: Yeah.
1: He's a practitioner. I went in to have a session with him. She was in the background. And just so you can imagine this, It's a big horse. It looks like the king of horses. He's he's white. He's big. He looks like a unicorn. He's amazing. Just majestic, amazing animal Um, with amazing energy to match, right? So that kind of horse will have big energy. And I felt it even before I went into the, the round pen. And, yeah, it was just about being present and listening to what he wanted to communicate. And it was just so profound. Just what can be done without words in about 40, 45 minutes just by hanging out with a horse.
0: And so what was the impact for you?
1: It is something that i felt in the energy so i felt very relaxed i felt very calm i went to um some sort of a meditative state so i went into a, a meditation so he was holding space for me to go, to do that to be able to release to be able to hear the messages from him and the the big message was that um he was feeling my doubts and he was going, Look, you're you're on the right path. Don't worry, just keep on doing what you're doing. Don't look at the outcome, don't look at the you know the goalposts or whatever. Just keep showing up. Keep yeah. keep doing it. And it was exactly the right thing that I needed to to hear at the time.
0: Fantastic. I'm, I'm thinking about like at the moment, just my own experience, you know, you go up to the side of a paddock where there's a horse and sometimes I'll come straight over and the, my mind goes to when I'm on holidays, right? So you've probably got good energy then, but there are other times when you're like out of the fence and you're like calling the horse over and it's kind going, of, you know, I'm not going anywhere near you. So it's really fascinating that that's, you know, like it's not just about their ability to mirror, but it's their, that, that heart connection I wonder how much of that you then apply a similar way to how you are providing a similar service to men when they're going through this divorce process.
1: Yeah, there's there's so many lessons that I received from horses that I'm bringing them in my practice, like, for example, being present, right? Listening without judgment actively listening holding space these sorts of things our horses are doing just because they're horses without even yeah. thinking about it we need to
0: do it proactively absolutely so tell me what's is there a a pattern like when when men come to work with you is there a pattern of the same sort of thing going on like are there different challenges that all divorced men face or is it completely unique everyone's uh, own experience
1: i think it's a yes and a yes i think it's it's both yeah right so everyone is going through basically the same uh human emotions yep but there, there'll be a set of emotions everybody will go through them um everybody will Hit the same pain points of separation in a different way, right? So I'm talking about emotional roller coaster, talking about the the drama, the drama triangle, the victim, the prosecutor, the rescuer, and I'm talking yeah. about the identity crisis, moving from I'm a married uh, husband, um, provider, dad to oh, who am I? So everybody will experience these in different stages. I guess what it's different is the level of the drama and where they are in the process.
0: So, how do you help them to see where they are? Because I, I'm sure they've, like anyone who's been through a divorce, there must be an element of drama that they can recognize. But is there part of that that they're not seeing? Is that part of it? Like, are you bringing awareness to that? Like, how do you start that process for them?
1: Yeah, so so the other element is the client' um, ability and, um, and and reason for changing. Yep. Right. So it's it's easy if the man decided, yes, I need to change. I need to learn new skills. I need to grow because obviously, what I'm doing is not working. It's harder if it's not the case. The first step is emotional awareness. Yeah. Getting in touch with emotions, um, saying it's okay to get in touch with emotions for a man, identifying emotions, then sitting with emotions, questioning emotions. Yeah. All of that.
0: I wonder how many. Well, maybe you find the same. Is that when you learn all these skills, and then you, and then you're teaching men these skills? It's like, do do people have these moments of like, oh, if only I'd known these ten years ago, twenty years ago? Like, how different could my life have been?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I had a few um, clients that in the first session were blown away just because it was the first time they were able to, they were supported to get in touch with their emotions as a man. And and they went, oh, wow, that's, that's actually pretty cool. I got a lot of, out of that.
0: Yeah, good. Yeah. So if someone's, like, obviously you're not going to work with every single man who's going through divorce, but if someone's looking to work with you, what... What are the sort of specific areas that you focus on that you are able to help them with? Because uh, now our friend who connected connected us, Julie, she's more the financial as- aspect and making sure that you've got all of those elements set up. Um, so, what's your take on it? And and I imagine that's from your own experience as well, right?
1: Yeah. So I'm focusing on the emotional challenge. For me, separation is an emotional challenge, first of all. Yes, it's a legal challenge. Yes, it's a financial one. But if I can focus on the emotional, the legal and the financial will be a lot better. Yeah. So the first thing that I'm focusing on is to understand what happened, where the man is, and then making sure that the work we do is... Balancing his emotional state with his ex-partner emotional state. So both people are in the same emotional space. There is an equilibrium and balance so they can start figuring out the rest of their lives, right? The future of them, their relationship, their evolving relationship to co-parenting, their children. Um, Yeah, you don't want to do that from a place of emotional imbalance,
0: yeah absolutely i'm actually just drawn to a thought of a a client i worked with uh some years ago who who were mainly going to be focusing on their their sporting prowess but it ended up being more around the the his own separation and for him he was stuck in a space around um blame and uh frustration from from different things that had happened and wasn't necessarily seeing his part in that because of like still from the hurt which is a completely normal and natural human reaction i think anyone who's been through big grief that's usually the, the default so is that something that you find that is is a common place like or is it to depend on the circumstances
1: yeah it depends a little bit so it depends who initiated the separation yep which um, statistics say it's 70% women. And so my experience is that my ex-partner initiated the separation. So I know what it's like to be the dumpy, the person who got dumped. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's really different, right, because it will change a little bit um, how, the, the, first of all, the grief cycle. Yep. All right. If I'm initiating the separation, I'm well more advanced in my grief cycle than the person just hearing the news. I had months or years of thinking about it. I finally made a decision. I can tell them now, guess what? They're just starting.
0: Mm. Wow. So that's, I hadn't really thought about it that way, but that must be the main chunk of the problem is that one person, like it's, I'm I'm only guessing, but I imagine it's not something that people take lightly. It's not a spur of the moment decision. They've usually planned it in their head, made made sense of it, and then the other person's in going to catch up. Wow, okay, that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, so they're not in the same place, right? It's not the no. same place in the grief cycle. It's not the same place with the emotional uh, balance, with their emotions. Um, and then add on top of that, that women usually um, have better emotional resilience or have better tools, or at least feeling that it's okay to do emotional work.
0: Yeah, my experience is that that women more more likely open up to their friends about the the big stuff. Whereas men tend to not want to, whether it's not wanting to burden them or like worrying about judgment, like I don't know if you've experienced this, but the amount of men that have said to me, I haven't really told anyone this, and I I, like I'm honoured to be able to have that space for people. It's also just a reminder to me that like how challenging it is because of all the stigma and and people's own perception of what's okay and what's not. I'm, I'm sure you must have to deal with a lot of that sort of thing.
1: Absolutely yeah men were we were bred out of our emotional intelligence yeah right since since we were boys uh, i've heard like you know don't cry don't cry like a girl showing emotions is not something that you do um vulnerability is weakness yeah right showing that you're vulnerable is is weakness so of course i didn't even have the opportunity to learn tools and techniques to deal with my emotions i was trying to get away with it you know you ask a bloke hey how do you feel it's either okay or shit yeah that's the two feelings yeah (laughs) and
0: and and generally the feeling like shit thing we we cover that up and just say yeah things are okay yeah Yeah. not bad yeah yeah
1: either okay or not bad
0: (laughs) yeah yeah
1: that's the range yep yeah and what is happening is that because of that, men are missing out on superpowers.
0: Mm, yeah. Yes.
1: Right? Because it's not something feminine. It's not something for women. It's something that, hey, my emotions are my guides. And if I'm not listening to them, I'm missing out
0: on all that knowledge. 100%. And I'm really, I'm really passionate about this myself as well because it's, it's the full human experience And when you can learn the tools, it's exactly right. It becomes a superpower. So tell me, how has it become a superpower for you to me?
1: Um, Wow. Um, (laughs) We're just starting some hail here. It's amazing what happens, what happened to me when I went from unaware to aware, right? That's, That's the biggest kind of like, um growth that's the biggest step becoming aware of my emotions thoughts actions actually means that i'm in control i'm the boss right i'm not controlled anymore (laughs) by old habits things that i got as a child trauma um feelings thoughts now i'm in control so it Brilliant. means that i can do so much more i can be so much more present i can show up as a better father i can show up as a as a better boyfriend as a better partner as a better co-parent because i'm self-regulating because i'm aware because i'm catching this shadow right when it pops up
0: fantastic it, it is superpowers yeah that to me, what you said there about like you, you get your control back because when you go through any grief, divorce would be no different. There's so much that is out of your control and that you do. You spiral into a place of, well, I can't control this. My, my previous guest was talking about when his daughter was sick and it was like the, the, the most helpless and out of control that he felt because that's just – you just can't. and. Being able to get your control back, wow, what, a, what better superpower than that to feel that peace within yourself that you, you're in control of this, not controlling others but in control of yourself. Powerful. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and it's so masculine, right? Yeah. Being in control, being more focused, have more clarity, being the boss of my emotions instead of them taking me for a ride, that's, that's powerful.
0: That is. Wow. So not only helping them through the divorce, but you're helping them to thrive as men going out for the, into the world for the rest of their life. Oh, That must give you so much satisfaction.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the plan, right? The, the divorce, the separation is just the catalyst, just the opportunity, yeah. just maybe uh, the, the, the shakeup that I know I needed yeah. to do this.
0: And as difficult as it can be to realise that these big moments of grief often are the greatest catalyst for change moment, and while for many of them we 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 wouldn't wanted it wanted it to have been that way, yeah, it often prompts us or pushes us or shoves us into actually making the changes that we've always wanted to make.
1: That's right. Separation is uh, an opportunity. It's an opportunity for a second life, for uh, a do-over, for change, for growth. None yeah. of this would have happened Yeah. If,
0: if I wasn't going through separation. It's a good point. It's a great point. So I want to backpedal a little bit, as I like to do, just to, just to talk about the different Elements of your life that all contribute, right? They all sort of come to a head in those bigger moments of our life. So I mentioned before we jumped on, I mentioned grief and the different like moments from your life. And you said, well, living in Israel, it's kind of a given. So I can't even pretend to understand except that I know that it is a part of the world that's been experienced war for, for the longest time. So what was that experience like for you? You mentioned that you didn't even associate it with grief. It's just how it was. But maybe just to give people a bit of an insight for those who don't know what that experience would have been like for the first 28 years of your life living in Israel.
1: Hmm. Yeah, so war is part of life. And after a while, it's not even war. It's just like life, yeah. Right. So the war part is just oh, even if missiles are coming down and you need to go into shelters and go to school with a with a mask, and that's not like a COVID mask. That's just a it's a proper mask for, um, um, yeah, to to avoid um, being poisoned. Uh, Yeah. Then, um it's just part of part of life so you, so the grief is something that because it's so entwined with life it's not even something that is was on my radar it's just all around me all the time it's just like in school and there's stuff in the news about people dying and you're expected to go to the army when you're 18 so yeah it's it's just life
0: and I remember I remember someone saying that it's like when, when from us who've grown up in the Western world in, uh, in relative comfort we get so uh, invested in people in these war-torn countries and we think you know oh, it must be this and it must be that and it's like much like you just described people who have come from there say well well actually that's just what we knew. So, so the people within it are dealing with it so much better than us, who couldn't imagine having to go into that space. So, uh, it's another great reminder of the comparison is not is not a, of benefit. Like, I'm sure if uh, you throw through someone like yourself from there, well, we're going to get to that into into our culture. Then it's a it's a shock, right? And it's different areas of getting out of your comfort zone which are going to have more of an impact. So. We'll come back to that because I wanted I wanted to hear more about like. So at eighteen you you have to go into service, like I know for generations that that's just been the case for for different times in our history, but that's still the case today. Like you you have to serve. Wow. Yeah. So so was that, again, was that just one of those things that wasn't scary because it was just something that was just part of life.
1: Yeah. This is just the journey of young adults in israel so you know that you finish school at 18 you're going to the army for three years boys three years girls for two years and then you're going to travel and then you start uni and that's just what you do that's just how society works that's the journey
0: and so for those of us who who never well can't even comprehend what that must have been like what like is it is it something you're okay talking about? Is there anything from that experience that that uh, changed the way you looked at the world?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I started the journey as a very passionate, um, patriotic young man. Yeah, I wanted to do well. Um, I worked on my um, uh, physical um stamina i was running i was doing all of that and i really wanted to do well um and i didn't really realize that um first training in the army basically they're trying to break you right the the goal is to break you completely down and build you up as a soldier yep and that was yeah one of the toughest things I've, i've done in my life going through basic training um not seeing home for four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, and then coming back for the weekend and going back to the army. So it's that um, cutting of home, cutting of friends as well, and just you're in a different type of environment completely. And then the after about a year or a year and a half in the army came the realization and came kind of like the, awareness of, hey, what, what am I really doing here? What is this really about? Mm. Do, I, do I really want it? Do I really like it? Is this, does this make sense? And yeah, this was after a couple of life-threatening situations. Yeah, and, and then just the realization of, wait a second, just I'm just going to stop and ask a few questions.
0: And are you asking those questions of yourself or do you actually then actively seek out answers from people above? Uh,
1: I was asking them for myself.
0: And what answers did you find?
1: Um, I realized that I'm not really comfortable in following orders. I'm not really comfortable not asking why. I'm not really comfortable not knowing what is the big picture and what are we doing here and why are we going there and why are we now supposed to fight these guys? Basically questioning what I was fed my entire life. Hmm.
0: And is that normal or was that unique? Like a lot of young men going through that process and coming to that same realization do you think or not
1: i think some do some don't so it really individual really depends some people do very well in the army right there are people mm-hmm. who make the army their life and they're loving it and, just, and good on them
0: i'm just wondering whether there's like uh, as you go through these generations of of young men who have served is there are there people then coming out and it's actually creating a whole new way of living over there because of people's experience?
1: Um, look, things change, but they change very slowly, especially in the, you know, state, government, army level. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's still, Israel is still a country that experienced a lot of violence and sometimes war. So the army is really important. There's a lot of money going into the army. Um, it's still the army gave me a lot of good things as well, right? A lot of, I benefited from being in the army, um, especially knowing that I can do anything that I want. I can do anything because I'm capable of so much more. Yep. That's something, a really good lesson that the army taught me. So I'm also grateful for that opportunity. But for me, it was in, in about the, the midway through, I started asking questions And I started going, you know what, maybe that that decision in my my frame of mind and my mindset needs to be changed a little bit. I I think I'll change it because it's no longer serving me.
0: That early training, you said basically they're breaking you down. Like how did that impact you?
1: Oh, (laughs) I... I wanted to die. I I, I remember myself sitting there actually contemplating just like, what am I doing here? I can't get out. Um, Yeah, taking my own life sounded like an option.
0: Wow. So it's, it's because mentally that you're just so fried?
1: Mentally, physically, emotionally, everything.
0: Wow. And so this is compulsory but is there any counselling of any kind off the back of it?
1: Um, look, there, there are um, the commanders who are there to uh, – their job is to support you and to break you in the same time, but also give you some support, right? So I went to my commander and we had a chat and that was helpful. So I felt yeah. supported. Other than that, yes, there, there are some services that I'm able to tap into, Obviously, when you're an infantry in some sort of a remote base, um, you're not going to enjoy that um, service yeah. maybe in, in in the next 24 hours. Maybe you'll have to wait a week or something.
0: Yeah, wow. Again, look, incomprehensible for us uh, that have grown up in a very different environment. And so... Could you share with us what that was like? Well, what what was the catalyst for you to move from Israel to Australia?
1: Um, I guess it's, um, first of all, that, that army part was eye-opening. So I discovered a few things about myself, right, when I'm put into this Uh, situation things come up and i'm learning things so that's good Uh, my dad was born in melbourne so i always had this australian connection i always knew that after the army everybody's doing their big trips right a lot of israelis are traveling and i knew that i'm going to go to australia so that really was the connection
0: was there any intention when you came or is more just to come and experience it? Like, was it just to escape Israel? Like what, what, what thoughts? Yeah,
1: yeah, pretty much. Pretty much just, hey, I'm going to go as far as I can for as long as I can to just, I didn't really know what, to travel, to meet people, to see places. Yes, 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 all of that. To have experiences.
0: And so, what was that experience like? Like, was it a shock to the system initially, or was it more like a holiday at first? And then, and then the reality sort of sets in later.
1: Um, It was, it was a mix, I think, because I was traveling by myself. I had some friends that I went to Japan with before that, and we were working in Japan, um, selling jewelry on the streets, which which was interesting. (laughs) And, uh, um, And then coming to Australia by myself, it was, it was interesting. It was, um, I needed to, yeah, figure things out very, very quickly, and being with myself quite a bit. So it was a bit of a mix.
0: And what were the challenges around that? Like having to figure things out quickly. Like was was it uh, was it stressful? Were you feeling isolated? Like. Or had you built up a level of strength then from what you've been through that you you were able to sort of push on? Like, how did that play out?
1: Um. Yeah. First of all, a different culture that I didn't know. I didn't understand. Um. I remember getting fired from from a few jobs. My first jobs, you know, as a backpacker, yeah. just like. Maybe a kitchen hand or a or a busi, a busboy or a yeah, yeah. um, picker packer, things like that in Queensland, and I think because I was I had the army experience, I had that kind of like self confidence or self esteem to go like I, I don't want to be treated that way, mm. so and I showed that, <laughs> um, and they didn't like it. I, bet I didn't. <laughs> Have you got five very quickly?
0: (laughs) Have you got okay? So, you're talking about so you go into these jobs and you're standing up for yourself instead of just, uh, you know, (laughs) do this, do that, and questioning
1: how we do things like, why are we doing this this way?
0: (laughs) Yeah, wow. Um, unfortunately, from my experience, it's uh, all too common in lots of businesses in Australia, it's just how we've always done things, but uh, that doesn't necessarily allow space for growth right
1: that's right
0: so how long do you think it took you to actually feel some level of comfort living in Australia
1: wow um I think it took a couple of years really um and I remember the shift I was comparing all the time when I came here. I was comparing everything. And you know, I, I grew up in, in Tel Aviv in Israel. Tel Aviv is the biggest city, it's very European, all the clubs are there, it's a 24 hour city. And and when I compared it to Melbourne, Tel Aviv was winning. So
0: right.
1: what am I doing here then? Yeah. At some point, I just needed to stop comparing and go, it's not better or worse. It's just different. Yeah. And that's what it is. And when I got that mindset, my perspective changed, then I was, it became so much easier.
0: Mm, But that took a good couple of years to get to that point yeah must, must, must have been a battle those first couple of years if that was the constant conversation in your head
1: mm, absolutely it was it was tough
0: so fast forward now to your separation so you said uh, you, you described it as the dumpy like uh, almost tongue-in cheek you said like because you hadn't been prepared for it what what was that experience like was that like was it shock? Like or did you what was it kind of that all actually makes sense? Like what was what is it like?
1: Uh, yeah, so shock denial, first of all. Yeah. So I went into a long period of denial. That was and behind that was um, fear from the future, fear from the stigma, what other people will think. Fear for myself, oh, how will I do this for my kid? And also a lot of shame. So I I really saw that as as a failure. I I was, I failed in life. So that really strong sense of shame and fear kept me in denial. So I didn't tell anyone, I didn't tell my parents. Um, I was frozen, so I didn't act, I didn't... um, I couldn't act on anything. So it was basically just frozen in time for almost two years. Whoa. Um, Still in the same house, in the same bed, um, just talking about it, how we're going to do it, what are we feeling, maybe we can save it, maybe we can work on it.
0: So that concept of failure, is that like something that's played out for your whole life? Is that something that came off the back of the army? Is it like, is that a, a cultural thing for Israel? Like, um, you, you know, you can't, got to keep persisting with things, can't fail. Like, Where, where does that sort of real uh, frustration come from?
1: I think it's um, probably my expectations of myself and what I received from my parents, my parents had a, a great marriage, great relationship, and that's how I thought my relationship will be like. So I disappointed myself. I disappointed them. That was the thought behind it. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's where it stems from, really.
0: Hmm. And what was your parents' reactions like? Much different to what you actually probably feared?
1: Uh, yes, it was much different. They, they were great support and yeah. um, they actually went to seek professional support for them how to support me. Oh, how good. Which was amazing. Yeah. And, yeah, provided really, um, yeah, the, the the love and support that, i needed at the time and also my my siblings my sister my brother that brothers.
0: must be that must be one of the key things that you help men with to see that that because the, like you said the stigma you know you're thinking about all of the different people we create all these different stories about what people must be thinking but ultimately the people around us just want the best for us right
1: yeah yeah and and it is scary because that separation and divorce has such stigma yeah. that it is scary and it's very individual, right? So I, I can I can say that my um my co-parent parents didn't accept it as well. Mm. So it's it's as well, it's individual and it's about them really, right? It's what yeah. they carry and their own yeah. stuff. Yeah.
0: Are you still able to have a relationship with them?
1: Um, First of all, they're in Israel. Okay. So our our families are in Israel. So I don't really need to and not really interested in having a, a relationship with them.
0: Yep. Okay. Makes sense. So as you've gone through that separation, like What was different in life that, well, I mean, I'm sure there were so many things that you just weren't expecting. Like let's start with the things that that weren't so good. Like what sort of unfolded in the aftermath that you were like uh, not prepared for?
1: Hmm. So, yeah, so our our relationship went on for 10 years. So it's – Moving out of the house physically, like that physical act of moving out is the act of basically it's over, right? Like that's the that's the really.
0: The finality part. Decision
1: point, finality, that's right. Yeah. That's where it all becomes real. That's where I need to shift to be a single parent, single man, and deal with all that. what i was really interested in is okay how can i make this th- the easiest transition for myself and for my kid yep. and and for my ex as well right because her being okay is part of part of my life so i'm not responsible for her but i would like her to be um, a functioning mom to my kid yep so yeah, so it's really about just starting life from scratch. Suddenly I'm I'm back to where I was kind of like when I was maybe 22, living in a in a just a two bedroom apartment. Yeah. Um, needing to buy furniture, needing to buy cutlery. Mm. You know, it's obviously there's bigger questions, but there's also just the day to day.
0: For some of the darker moments I've been through, I can remember having that conversation with myself, just going, "How on earth did I end up here? Like, how did I get to this point? Is that kind of what it's like having to go back and buy furniture and and cutlery, like basic stuff? Like, is like what's that process like?"
1: There is a lot of that. There is a lot of that questioning. How did I get here? I want to understand. I want to get more clarity. that sort of thing. Is it helpful? Probably not. I think that what was really helpful for me is to get going with my self-discovery, self-healing journey, learning new things, learning more about me. That was the biggest light points, the biggest eye-openers, right? Figuring out, oh, wow, I'm a people pleaser. Shit. Yeah. What, what, what is that? Let's research it. Let's lo- learn more about it. Really? Ah, oh, okay. That makes sense. Ooh.
0: Yeah. No wonder
1: I'm here.
0: Yeah. You think you're doing the right thing, but actually you're doing everyone a disservice.
1: I never knew this about myself.
0: <laughs> yes. Like, so
1: really, I, I was 45. Like, I'm 47 <laughs> now. I was 45 and I didn't know shit about myself.
0: Mm. It's confronting, isn't it? But also... Go on, keep going.
1: Yeah, sorry, keep going. It's also...
0: Yeah, I was going to say, but it's also one of the most freeing things, right? When you have the awareness that you can then change it.
1: I I think really that's what saved me. That's what saved my life. That going of oh that's so cool i can actually learn more of that what else can i learn about myself so focusing on that instead of oh what happened um, and all of that in the past i can go there but with a different with a different perspective so the perspective is not oh what happened in the past What, what i did what she did is oh what are the kind of things that drove me to make these decisions? Or right? I, I, I picked her. Yeah. I I married her. I offered, I wanted to get married. I love this person. Why did I do it? Oh, okay. Maybe because I wanted to save her. Maybe because what else was there? Let's check it out. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm. <sighs>
1: Things make sense. So starting to see the light, starting to understand more about myself, starting to make sense, right? Oh, no wonder I chose her because that's what my parents did. And that's what my mom did with my dad and blah, blah, blah. And that's what I did with former girlfriends. There you go. Mm, And then
0: when you see the pattern, then you can break it.
1: That's right. Does it serve me? No. How do I change?
0: Fantastic. So, was there was the moving out of the house like a like the spark, or was that actually a bit of a downtime? Was there another moment of like uh, of a catalyst to actually go? Okay, I need to take that action. Like, how did you go from this dark place to actually then getting into this space?
1: One of the worst nights in my life. Yeah. Um, So we started. Dating while we were in the same house.
0: That must have been interesting, weird, all of the above. <sighs> yeah.
1: yeah. Um, it was all of these things. Yeah. And and there was one night that she, my, my ex, um, went out and she didn't come back. And I just tried to drown i just i just wanted to go to bed and i i used things to get me to go to bed like alcohol and smoking cigarettes and just feeling miserable and yeah really feeling um sadness and grief i guess
0: and at a depth that you hadn't experienced before? Is that why it was so challenging?
1: I haven't experienced for for a long time. Yeah. Um, and, and not like that. So after that night, when I was kind of like looking back, she, she came back all smiles and, oh, everything is okay. And we had a three-year-old, my daughter at, at the time. And I just thought, is – is this how I love myself? Is this how I treat myself to make myself go through this? Mm. That's, it's like, I hate myself, right? It's like, yeah, I won't let anyone treat me like this. Like I treated myself that night. So I have a choice. Do I want it to happen again? No way. So this is what I communicated. I said, look, I will not, I cannot go through this again. And I love myself enough to go, that's it, I need to get out of the house. So I'm getting out of the house.
0: Wow. Now, tell me if this is not okay to ask, but like when you say like drown yourself, like you like, was part of your list like, i was going to drink myself to oblivion?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I'm just going to, I, I want to drink so I can just pass out. Mm. because Because I couldn't fall asleep, I couldn't go to bed. Right. I was always, I was listening to. Oh, is she coming back? Is this mm. car her coming back? Um, I just wanted to fall asleep already.
0: Hmm. So you logically you didn't want to be still attached, but you just so you were so much that you couldn't even get to sleep. Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And living in the same house, I I can't move forward. Right. It's, yeah. It's not possible. Yeah. So that was the catalyst to moving out.
0: Tamir, can you share for maybe any men who have been through divorce or are going through separation, divorce, anything like that? Like, what what would be the key messages for them to be able to hear right now to help them to to be able to move forward? and do so in a way that's going to be most beneficial for them, for their partner and for their children, if they have any.
1: Hmm. Um, first of all, a message of that it's okay. Um, it's okay to for this to happen. It's going to be okay, right? Many other men and women went through this. Yeah. and actually it's up to you. It's up to you like the separation maybe wasn't your decision or your choice, but how you deal with it is your choice. And the only way to deal with it if, if you if you want to make a positive impact, if you want to your future to be a healthy future, is to work on yourself. Yeah, because we can't change others, we can't change outcomes. The only thing I can change is myself. Therefore, if I'll change myself, my reality will change, and it does.
0: <laughs> and that's great advice for anyone going through any sort of uh, the aftermath of any sort of grief. Is exactly what you said. It's taking back that control, right? Being in mm. control of your life again.
1: Yeah, and and grief is an interesting, really interesting um, stage, right? Because we don't have a ritual for grieving a relationship. It's something that just hit me when I I was just feeling at one point, I was really feeling drained and it was just going through a swamp and I, I didn't have energy and my mentor was saying, are you sure you're not grieving? And I'm like, oh, duh. Yeah, mm. yeah, it is.
0: Yeah, it's a great point.
1: Yeah. So giving yourself time to grieve, it's okay mm. to grieve. Grieve.
0: Yeah, and and we go through these moments of grief sometimes every day. Little little moments of like mini deaths are part of us. Like we let go of a part of us, and like you said, we don't have a ritual. Like even even like what we do in terms of funeral doesn't even seem to be enough in terms of, compared to what so many cultures do where where they are able to process this big stuff which is why we end up with all this residual stuff that keeps carrying on through our life that continues to play out all these different patterns so so what a gift for you to, to give to the world to be able to pass on this knowledge to men who are going through it and be able to pass on your experience and and particularly the, you know the work with the horses to to help them to let go of things because I, I, to me, the, the beauty and the, the absolute power in, in the working with horses that's just coming to me now is sometimes as men, we don't necessarily want to open up. We don't want to talk about things, but we don't want to feel how we're feeling in, anymore and being able to go and have that moment where you just need to be present and allow the magic to happen like there's just so much in that.
1: Absolutely, you spot on. That that's that's the that's where the magic happens, right? The, the oh. only thing that I need to do when I'm entering the paddock is just be open. That's it.
0: Yeah. So good. Tamir, is there anything else that you would love to share about your story or advice or? or message of hope for for people out there, whether it's around uh, divorce or just around life in general?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's, it's what I said uh, before. And carrying that message of it's okay to grieve, it's okay to feel, it's okay to communicate feelings, it's actually healthy. Right yeah, to communicate yeah. to share—that means that I'm taking it out of me. It's not longer in me. So it's a healthy thing. It's a superpower. Yeah, and once you do it a few times, whatever it, wherever it is, with yourself, with a horse, in a men's circle, with a friend, in a podcast, with yeah. Ian Hawkins, <laughs> it it feels great.
0: 100% and uh, I I really honour you, Tamir, for having the courage to come into this space because, I mean, you might just think, well, it's just, you know, it's a conversation but to me it, it is, it's, it's courage for us to, to be getting out there and telling our stories and for you to come in here and talk about such specific things which would carry – Pain. and what i know is that that's beneficial to you it's beneficial to me and it's beneficial to everyone who's listened to this so i thank you i appreciate you and yeah thank you for sharing so generously
1: yeah thank you so much ian um one of the things that really helped me when i was separating is listening to other men who yeah. been there done that just made me feel that i'm not alone that things are going to be okay and yeah i think um we just need to talk about things and well put said. them out in the open. So, thank you well for the said. opportunity. You're awesome welcome to have a chat with you.
0: You're welcome, mate. Speak soon. Thanks, Ian. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Grief Code podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please share it with a friend or family member that you know would benefit from hearing it too. If you are truly ready to heal your unresolved or unknown grief, let's chat